All right, for season two, episode two of the Master Keys podcast, we're recapping what's going on in the news. That includes the ballooning cost of the temporary housing that the city is building, but also just talking about the general challenges in this market as inventory reaches all-time lows. Then we move on to our topic for this week, which is goal setting. This is something we've discussed before, but we're revisiting it where it's the start of the year. It's a great time to take stock. So check out Master Keys podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, and don't forget to subscribe Follow us, press that like button, whatever you do. Thanks for checking us out. When I was broke, I had rich habits. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Man, love that intro. Welcome God. back. Damn, that bangs. <laughs> Welcome back. Season two, episode two is what we're calling it now. Yeah, not or, episode 26. No, either or. Or maybe not. Or maybe neither. Yeah. We know it's the new year. Yes. Uh, Chandler Halberton. Neil Andrino. Master Keys Podcast. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to smash the like, smash the follow, all that sort of stuff. Well, While you're jazz. here, appreciate you. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. We're going to go through the news. Uh, we're also going to revisit the topic of goal setting. We've talked a little bit about that before. Um, it's appropriate now. It's, it's a new year. man. This is, you know. Set I, your goals. Some people think it's all cliche to talk about goal setting and stuff at the start of the year. Um, but... The time element does help with goal setting. So if you have a little landmark to begin something, um, then then use that and, and it's a good time to talk about it. So it's like a little reset. And and I feel like it's a little less busy. No matter what you're doing right now, it's a little less busy. So it gives you totally. some time to prepare. Because once the summer hits between work and stuff, like it's just it's work and fun, it's impossible to get stuff done. I would like to talk a little bit about that too, because um, I find I need the structure and I did poorly over the holidays in terms of my energy, my mood. I mean, I look like I was hit by a truck today, but that has more to do with other property related things. We can talk about that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we can catch up on all that. But what's new with you, Neil? Not much. My holidays were uh, were good. Yeah. I was full slacker. Like you were saying, I I, I went off. If, if you went off the rails, I think that's just part of the holidays. I, I tried my best. But I think you need to do that. Like you need at some point to just kind of let go and be like, you know, screw it. Like I can't keep being in this like grind. So from basically yeah. Christmas Eve-ish range to pretty much now I've been in full degenerate mode of just kind of big chilling. I'm just kind of letting things slide. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I see a text message come in and I'm like, I'll get to that. Well, I, if we're talking about it now, like I think the thing is, what do you replace the grind with? And I sort of had this problem where somewhere around like mid month between what I was expecting to be a slowdown and the rise of the variant. This is mid month, December. Mentally, I started to relax a little bit while the workload was still busy. And then that created this, you know, this gap between expectation (laughs) and reality. That's where people get disappointed, what they expect and what the reality is. And that gap is, is what causes feelings of disappointment. So I was feeling disappointed, like, oh my gosh, I've got so much work, but I'm trying to to wind down. And then when it did finally stop ish, I didn't replace it with another productive habit. I just replaced it with what you do in the holidays, which is sit around eating eat cookies. Food, yeah. You know, stream a bunch of stuff. Hopefully some people spend time get, catching up on the past episodes. But, um, and then for me personally, that creates a negative anxiety cycle, right? Where yeah. I'm sort of like, well, now I feel bad because I'm being lazy and I'm not being productive and I'm not getting work done. But also I just kind of feel lousy because I'm eating bad food and then it just gets worse and worse. It perpetuates and worse. itself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, gotten a bit of a negative feedback loop there, which is probably more than anything else. Probably even that's probably what makes the new year's resolutions so prevalent is because people not are people coming off like a year they're typically coming off like the worst three weeks of (laughs) of the year just health is out the window everything's out the window i feel the same way it's when i'm busy and it's it's crazy time i feel motivated to do a million and one things hundred percent everything's going but then in my head i'm like oh holidays like i'm going to eliminate some of the main busy factors which will allow me to fill in those pieces but when i do that it actually just cycles into me adding more like you said negative feedback loop and yeah. just getting to this, like... You just end up in your underwear watching Netflix. I, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> thanks again for having me over. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah no, man. I, and now that, um, obviously, I, I've got kids and the whole school situation is really tricky with the homeschooling and blah, blah. And it sucks, man. Anyone out there who's homeschooling knows that it 
sort of super sucks. Um, For both the kid and the parent. Yeah, yeah. But that schedule of being like, okay, I've got to have them, you know, fed and seated and yeah, dressed. Yeah. Like that then gets me out of the house and now things are ramping back up. And as much as I'm like, oh man, like now the break's over, I feel so much better. Like my mood has risen yeah, back by, by being busy, right? Question, kind of yeah. a random aside. How does gym class work? Um, so like, am I seeing Chandler doing push-ups with the kids on his back? And- <laughs> <laughs> Hard no. Um, the little guy, they have what are called like body breaks. It's uh-huh. pretty, it's pretty damn cute, right? Like the teacher will throw on some video and like music and like the kids will just like bebop and dance around. <laughs> um, cause he's in grade one, the older kid, they've got stuff that I think would be a, a bit more like, Oh, do 10 jumping jacks and do this. And, but it's pretty, it's pretty slack. It's as you still no, no fun. Cause half the fun of gym class too is like throwing a dodgeball at your best friend's face. Totally. Bing. Like that <laughs> sweet sound when that like <laughs> rings off their dome. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, it's like a, t- there's a little, you're out, to bud. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those maroon balls. <laughs> Love those. Um, so when I didn't just have my underwear on, I actually had like full clothes on. I also decided to take a quick flight to Alberta, mm-hmm. um, because it just wasn't cold enough here. So yeah. it's around minus 35 there when I touched down and it stayed like that the entire week to the point where you blinked your eyes and they froze together. Like, I mean, your eyelids would literally freeze That's a good together. way to not have to see Alberta. But. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was grim. Like, as the plane's coming in, it was kind of like... Just kidding, Alberta. We love you. Keep listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was kind of grim, though, because, like, you're coming in, and at that temperature, it was evening. Everything was kind of, like, gray tone, black, and the, like, the smokestacks on every building. Like, you don't realize it during the daytime here because it's not cold enough, but there's, like, there is warm air coming out of the yeah, top condensation of the that'll in yeah exactly so every single building in alberta you can just see these giant plumes of smoke it looks like mm-hmm. coming out of the top but anyways yeah, i went there i was just visiting some for some friends and uh i the one thing i will say like in this always being in this like mode of real estate driving around there because they have a very different landscape that city is very widespread mm-hmm. it is a big city but they yep. were similar size to halifax um uh, not like maybe 30 years were ago you, were you in edmonton or ago? calgary 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 yeah. um And it's interesting to see how like a lot of their neighborhoods that are closer to downtown, they're doing the same thing where they're, they're tearing down five houses in a row, putting up like a small five story building. Mm -hmm. Um, and every single corner house, I swear to God, like everyone in every neighborhood, if you're on a corner lot, your house is getting torn down and they're putting up stacked townhouses or corner townhouses. Yeah. I was not really familiar with the idea of infill housing until I went to Alberta because, um, you know, when that land was initially developed, some of it would have been farmland, but you had big sprawling open spaces. So people would do things like build a ranch house. Yeah. You know, what we may call a, a bungalow, but a one level long wide. So as a result, you got these lots that were 200 feet wide. Yeah. And people then said, okay, where the market is, I will knock that house down and at least build two houses. Yeah. If not four, right? It's so, so easy to see. Yeah. You drive around Alberta and, and you'll be like ranch, ranch, and then tall narrow houses semis it, and stuff like that alberta's funny because the farming industry is so prevalent out there because the land is so flat contrary to popular belief for people who haven't been to alberta um but you drive into the city and when you're coming in you're going through like absolutely pure farmland and then slowly as you get closer there's these subdivisions but like you're saying they're 200 foot wide lots mm-hmm. and then as you go in a little further those subdivisions now those houses are getting torn down and now they're going to the 50 square foot lot or 50 foot wide lots mm-hmm. so a standard subdivision and then as you continue it's still more subdivisions but now those houses are getting torn down to have corner townhouses and or the building or the houses are getting amalgamated to turn into apartment buildings right. it was just it's so easy to see because of the shape of the city is basically a circle in the middle of a giant field effectively yeah yeah so when you, you drive, drive closer through, to the core yeah, yeah and as you drive yeah. closer to the core then right when you get to the core obviously it just goes to big giant buildings which 50 percent of our place 60 percent of which are empty um and now they're in that same mode of taking office buildings and converting them to apartments um, because they have massive, massive, massive office buildings and they're all, not all, but again, 50% plus are empty. Wow. Um, but yeah, anyways, it was just, it was, when I was there, I was like, this is hilarious. Like you can literally within 30 minutes see the progression of farmland, like like loose suburb, very like not dense, then dense suburb, then apartments, townhouses, and it just keeps going. And then super density right in the core where you yeah. go up, up. Yeah. Yeah, so. no, it's, it's, it's really cool with that, relationship between the core and the periphery um and how areas that were once the periphery become the core and then how that changes what you do with that land and and so on and so forth um there i don't know if you saw this proposal for like 700 houses 
out near my direction where I live, um, but they're calling it. So they keep changing the verbiage because that matters in how you roll out and how you promote projects. Mm-hmm. And the new one is attainable. I saw that. Often, sometimes you'll see coupled with attainable workforce yep. housing. Yeah. Right. So is this is this apartment building affordable? It's attainable. <laughs> um, and so this subdivision that's about 700 units total, but a lot of it's going to be single family residential. Um, they're talking about homes that are 16 feet wide. Yeah. Um, to allow them to you know, use the depth of the lot to still have a decent square footage, but, you know, have more houses by based on the frontage. To put that in perspective too, like the average bedroom that everyone would be comfortable with is around 10-ish feet, like on the smaller dimension, maybe 11 feet, mm-hmm. right? The smallest dimension you'll see in a bedroom usually is like nine feet, nine by 11 or nine by 10. But the average I would say is around 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 sort of thing. Yeah. So if you're looking at 16 feet wide, you're looking at <clears throat> a 10 foot bedroom and then your hallway. Uh, or imagine it this way, uh, a staircase is about four feet wide. Yeah. Right? So once you put your staircase on that main level, you've got room for three more staircases. That's how wide your living room is, is three yeah. staircases. Like, but you use the depth and, and some clever design and all these things. I think it's great. But they're going through an application process, which is going to take a year and a half to two years. Then they've got to build the houses. So what is, what is attainable housing for a 16-foot wide new construction build? going to look like in five years 2027 yeah today it would be 440 for that width yeah right yeah. it would be 440 so it would open at 440 it would close at 600 <laughs> but like so what's gonna be four years from? i don't know but yeah. um what do you got going on i know you had some fun here with uh the heating heating situation oh man this you is why i look snap here. so tired um yeah why do you look this, like shit? I, I had like a solid landlord week this week um where to begin well it's been cold as just it's been insanely cold i heard it's really cold in your house it's a little chilly in my house right now (laughs) um so one of the things that you do as a landlord contrary to popular belief is that you often put your rental properties ahead of your own property (laughs) and i've said this before like the kitchens at a lot of my rentals are nicer than the kitchen in my house um and you know we're like oh we're gonna do that kitchen renovation one of these days and blah 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 um the furnace at my home is very, very old, and it's always been on the to-do list. Coal-fired. The original – it still uses the infrastructure of the original coal-fired um, heating system, uh, but now has had a furnace retrofitted into it, a, a oil-fired furnace boiler retrofitted into it. About 40 – I think it's about 46 years old, that, that furnace. And most furnaces last 25 to 30 is what uh, you might hear from a manufacturer. Um so I knew this thing needed to be replaced. So you putting it off for 15 years. <laughs> I've been putting it off for a while. Um, and the other day, on the coldest day um, of this season, it just gave up. Like, it literally exploded. Like, water was coming everywhere. <laughs> and it was. it's not a situation where it's be like, oh, your furnace broken? Well, you call the furnace guy, and they put the part in there, and, mm-hmm. you know, you paid money, and it's back up. It's like, no, no, this thing is, like, done. It, it's going in the garbage. There is no salvaging residual value in this furnace no no um so we've talked about how difficult it is to get hot water tanks right now it's also very difficult to get furnaces let alone get someone to install them your family Um, didn't blast you on reddit (laughs) 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 my my 10 year olds are on reddit like this dirtbag slumlord um (laughs) that's so funny um but because the house is larger and it's old and it has cast irons where like the rad is the size of like an air hockey table yeah like i need a pretty significant furnace um that had to sort of be custom specced so immediately it was like this is not going to be a one or two day thing you're going to be without heat for a period of time and very fortunate that in our main living area we have a pretty significant ductless heat pump so we just jacked that thing through the roof and tried to get it to flow through the house. The problem is these older homes, they're per, pretty segmented. Yeah. We also have a uh, uh, fireplace. So, you know, we got, we've probably gone Chandler through stokes the fireplace. a third of a cord of wood. And then we got like these little space heaters, like just trying to get this house warmed up. Um, we've got a furnace now that's in Parsboro. So my dad's driving out to Parsboro to throw this 600 furnace we got to figure out how to get in those anyway so i've been staying up to like one o'clock at night to stoke the fire <laughs> because i'm not comfortable leaving it overnight i want the host to heat up 
and I'm not comfortable having all the plug-in heaters everywhere. So I stay up super late and then waking up early to restart the fire and replug these things in for the last couple of days. So that's what I've been doing on the home front. We don't just punish our tenants. We punish ourselves. Yeah, that's right. Every, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't ever rent a place that I wouldn't live in myself. Um, and yeah, so I've also been like spreading thin my guys, right? Like, so, um, I have a really, really good furnace and oil supply company, Telder Heating. They're amazing. They've been so good to me, helping me out through this. This guy was coming over at like nine o'clock at night to do stuff. Uh, but simultaneously, there's been stuff going on at the apartments. So during this same cold snap, uh, a furnace at my new acquisition got airlocked last night. Um, mm. So half the building had heat, half the building didn't. And it's a very old system where the individual units don't have like a release drain. Um, and then at another property, um, there's a unit that kind of hangs over an open carport and its pipes are underneath the unit above the carport. And it's pipes froze yesterday. And that's one of those tricky things. Like it's hard to even know what to do about that because in order to get at it, I'd have to take down all the soffit mm-hmm. in freezing cold and go up, you know, and kind of torch it to warm it up mm-hmm. and then try to insulate it. So all these things have been happening at the exact time. And this comes after on the heels of a leak at another property, that investment property in, in Truelawa. Like it's just been a Chandler is pumped about 2022. Show, it's yeah. a big year he's got coming, if you can tell. I literally am so tired. But, he's got three hours of sleep in the last week. But you know what? This is the best I've felt since probably mid-December because my energy is up because I'm doing stuff and I have appointments and I'm busy. Things are coming back on. Yeah, I was talking to a buddy of mine and like I know Not talking to him eat. over the holidays, like I was sour every time we talked and we talked yesterday and I was like feeling good and he's like, man, I can notice that you feel better. I'm like, yeah, it's because I have a structure again. Like I've got stuff 100%. To do, so. You get back into it. All right, well. Yeah, man. What's in the news? Let's talk about the news a little bit before we start getting into our goal-setting ideas. Yeah. Um, the first one that I want to talk about is, I'll let you talk about the emergency shelters, but the more realtors than listings. Um, <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. So there was an article here locally that said there's now more realtors than listings, which is something I've been kind of freaking out about for the last year because there's a mm-hmm. lot of people getting their license, which is, I guess, it's good in some level if you're if you're truly interested in the business and prepared uh, to to grind. Because right now it seems like it's all roses, but it's, things are going to change, which is what we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. And I don't think this is just a local issue, though. This is an issue that we're seeing across North America, where so many people, like the market went up. A lot of people did very well, so then a lot of their colleagues were like hmm, maybe I'll switch into the industry, and mm-hmm. they did. But at the same time, with dropping inventory, now you have, let's say, instead of 10,000 houses, you literally have 1,000 houses. Instead of having 1,000 realtors, you have 3,000 realtors. So yeah. now it just, the pool gets shrunk. And I kept, I kept saying this. For me, the biggest problem I've seen is a big part of my friend group, uh, let's say I had 100 friends, and I was the only realtor. So everybody would call whether they liked me or not, yeah. uh, for good or bad. And now five people have it. So now my pool's <laughs> yeah, been I get 100 cut. realtors and no friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so now it's been cut uh, a bunch of times, and it really yeah. it makes it a lot more difficult for me to be able to main, maintain a business. Um, so, anyways, it's it's something for the ones that are realtors that are listening. It's something to be cognizant of, I think, um, because I think this is going to perpetuate. I still know that the courses are booked; like the next like three courses are full, the exam yeah. bookings are full. Um, and Which, like, as an org- as a no houses as a profession, we may want to revisit. Like, okay why like is it a negative thing to keep licensing people um when you know it's gonna they just keep cashing those checks to take people in but you're kind of screwing them too because it's gonna be a lot of people that come in and oh man they're gonna have to go back to something not because they're not good realtors necessarily or they might they might they might make a great realtor but they can't necessarily be like oh i can't live off of one paycheck for the next six months or eight months which is is the reality very real that was always the reality back in the day it was like all right even if you sold a property on your first day, it might take 90 days to close, mm-hmm. right? So you're not getting paid till three months in. And at that time, you got to pay back the course. You got to pay back your advertising. You got to pay back, yeah. you know, you had zero income going to, And then this year it was like, I got my license the other day and I sold a house. Like yeah. it was. And it closes in two weeks. Yeah. And that's uh, flooded the market with more and more agents. I think they can't restrict the number of licenses because um, it would suggest maybe a monopoly of the market, right? And there's already yeah. a lot of competition laws. In fact, that's a big thing going on in the States um, where one of the major players in um, the space has petitioned the American 
Association of Realtors to effectively stop requiring there to be buyers, agents, commissions in order to be on the MLS system. All these things are going on. Like they, they, there is a push out there to not have. Um, we got to do a realtor special. Totally, we're, we're coming to some realtor special. But basically, we can't say, well, no one else gets a license because then you, as a, a member of the public, are really stuck of like, well, I have to go through organized real estate. I feel like I have to go through the MLS system. And now I have to go with one of the realtors currently licensed and no one else can get in. And maybe that is actually for the best, but it's not going to be received well. And the idea of preventing people from entering into an industry is maybe not a good thing. I sort of think there Uh should be higher resist, like testing after the fact. And like, if you want to keep your license, you have to be good and productive. Um, And I think you they know, could they could put production I requirements. I will say to end this though, you look at a lot of other licenses, for example, like taxi license and vendor licenses in a they lot of cities restricted. for certain products. Yeah. They are restricted and limited. Yeah. But um we'll we'll get into that. I think we'll do a real special. Yeah. I want you to talk about this one because you were kind of fired up again another local story. Um the emergency shelters that we've mentioned a few times mm-hmm. that they're putting up, which is great. Um there's been some updates on what's taking place with those. Yeah. Uh, but you can maybe so again, for people who um, maybe didn't hear before, there's two emergency shelter. Well, sorry, it should be called like emergency temporary housing. Yeah. Uh, one being set up on the Dartmouth waterfront, and another being set up in downtown Halifax. And the municipality kind of overpromised on the timeline. So like these will be ready in December, and of course they weren't. Um, the Dartmouth one is now ready, and I think it's going to house 28 residents across four buildings, if I'm recalling correctly. And then the Halifax one is like 36 residents across five structures. So you're roughly about, I don't know, 65 odd odd people, whatever that is. Um, The initial budget was 3.7 million. And now they're up to, they just realized that they've got to spend more money. It's going to be up to 5.9 and they're not all completed, right? Yep. Um, So if you work that out per structure, um, I mean, we did the math on it. I don't know if you recall what it was, but effectively- that was simply just for the one site too, wasn't it? The it was it worked yeah, at the three eighty five yeah. a unit on the Dartmouth side is what they had spent. They they haven't finished the Halifax side, so we couldn't tabulate that. But that number, I think they're advertising too, is just to get the Dartmouth side running. Yeah, uh, and I think it goes around yeah four four point nine mil. So I want to stress a, a few things because the city got dragged, of course, on social media because that's just the place where, um, you know, you do that souls go to die. Um. This is a great initiative. They got it done. They made the mistake of what many early contractors do in their career, which is promise a date that you can't deliver. (laughs) But the hell of, you know, the council is not in the business of building housing. So they had no idea. They put a date out there and they were wrong and they shouldn't have put a date. But whatever, they got it done. And of course, everyone dragged them and said, you know, you screwed up. It's like, well, they they tried to get it done. They didn't, they took longer. But the thing I want to stress is I never, ever want to hear anyone ever again say when a new building gets built, oh, yeah, but are any of them going to be affordable? Just remember $385,000 per unit. For mobile structures. For modular prefabricated structures with no permanent foundations and let's just say not high-end finishes. Mm. If that cost the city $385,000 a unit, and granted, there's also um, structures being set up for security and, and for health, and, and mm-hmm. this is also going to pay for security staff and resources and all these things, mm-hmm. but if they could not get those done for barely under $400,000 per unit, don't be surprised when a developer says, this is what it costs for me to build this building, and that's why the rents are what the rents are. Because what is the mortgage payment on $385,000 approximately? Like $1,800. $1,800 for a commercial mortgage. Mm-hmm. Maybe more if you're including property tax or not. So that's why these units that get built have to cost $1,800 a month. And you can like that or hate that, but don't argue that it's not true anymore because you've seen it. And I'm not saying the city does the most efficient and they probably could have, you know, probably if that was all a private endeavor, it would have been done cheaper and blah, blah, blah. But there's also the support systems in place. Then there's also just the reality that that's what it costs to do these things. It's not going to go from 385 to 150. 
because like, no. you know what I mean? Like there, there's, yeah, there is a bit of extra because obviously it's city and the other items that are put in place, but it's not going to go down that much. I was going to say flashback to clip of when Tanner and I made the whiteboard with the numbers on it. Oh and yeah. Tanner had yeah. a gun to my head. Yeah. yeah that, the hostage that, video. Exactly. The hostage video. Check yeah. that one out because it goes over the numbers and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to beat up on the city because I think it's great what they did, but it starts to raise a few questions. Um, why wouldn't you take that money and just go out and buy or build an apartment building? Obviously, that would take two years. Whereas, buy existing old stock. Potentially. Because what's an old building trade for? Like we talk about deals like, you know, if you get a smoking deal, you might be around like 80 a door. If you pay... Smoke is 100 a door now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Like, you know, 80 to... 150. 150. Yep. On market, 150, you can get a building. And everyone gets, and, and again, these structures, so like one structure might accommodate like seven people. Yeah. Right. So, but maybe you can go out there and even if it's, you're buying an apartment building and you get the equivalent of, you know, three, two bedroom units for the same price. Mm-hmm. If, if, if the province had the foresight to be building this stock and acquiring this stock and protecting the existing stock for the last 30 years, we wouldn't be having to pay almost half a million dollars for a modular makeshift, quote unquote, uh, temporary housing. And the maintenance on it, it's going to be atrocious. Just because the way those are set up, they, they're not designed to be like really weather resistant. They're going to get destroyed. Yeah. I mean, I, I think those units will do fine. And I think they're going to be there a long time. You want to talk about freezing pipes? A long time. Talk about freezing pipes? All the pipes are exposed underneath. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we'll, we'll keep moving forward. But yeah, anyway, that was an interesting one to see those numbers come out and get an idea of like, I think it's good, like you said, it shows kind of how the private sector, how in the world they're supposed to get things done for really, really cheap. And additionally, the timelines. Um, but again, it's good that yeah. they're doing it. At least they'll be in place. It will it'll provide some housing. It'll be, also be a good spot for maybe medical stop-ins, um, even if you're not necessarily staying there and living there. I think they're going to have it open uh, for people to stop in for medical help, which will be good. Yeah, and this is the thing too. Everyone that was ripping them online, it's like, well, big picture, it's a good thing. They yeah. got this done. They got it done pretty damn quick, yeah. all things considered. They paid through the teeth. And but that's the cost of doing these sort of things. And then maybe people should start to understand that and get like if you want to talk all this crap about landlords and about development and about housing, maybe know what you're talking about. Well, here's a little crash course on what it actually costs to do these sort of things. Yeah. But then also it should enlighten people to the fact that, hmm, we now know what that costs and yeah. it was necessary in the moment. But big picture thinking, maybe we should be doing something else like the fact that we could have built those exact we could have built an apartment building with 60 units, yeah. right, for less per door. You know, even if you did micro suites, mm-hmm. you could probably bang out new construction micro suites for around 200 a door. Yep. Just bang them out. That's even where I'm like, you, they, like, they need to take some of the land that the city and the province have and just start throwing up some buildings. Like, I, I, totally, I totally. And they could just do a turnkey. Hire somebody like a Lindsay's or whatever and say, here's what we want. Yeah. Turnkey, spec, build it, let's go. They can easily pay the cash to, to do it. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. That's that's where we need to go. You know what would be interesting? You know those um, Atlantic – what's the Atlantic Construction Podcast called? It's called Atlantic Construction Podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Not very creative, guys. But um, <laughs> No, like I would love to actually maybe have those guys on to talk about the cost of some of this construction yeah, stuff. Some verification. Um, that would be good. Uh, also, this is a little teaser. Uh, we beat up on the CMHC programs hard, and I think we kind of started – the media cycle on that one because it got picked up by CBC and it was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. The fact that, yeah. you know, even if you make these affordable units, they're still coming in, you know, best case scenario, 1500 worst case, 2200 bucks. Yeah. CMHC has heard that negative pushback and they are revamping their programs. I'm not, I'm not excited until I see it. Cause I don't know whatever happens on this. We're talking 50 year amortization. Ooh, We're talking I'm excited. 95% of construction. Ooh, I'm really excited. Actually, when's We're this coming talking, up? <laughs> um, you can apply in March. Oh shit! Okay, um, well we'll look forward yeah, to that. that. That's let's move forward because we're otherwise we're gonna be in this affordable housing topic again for the yeah. entire pod. <laughs> oh god, yeah, we've got to whip through a lot of. We other got news. a ton of stuff. So let me go through the other news items. Just I want to talk about what's going on across the country. Um, first off, Ontario. So we again we we were crazy here, but our prices were low, so it kind of made sense. Toronto finished twenty twenty one up twenty eight point three percent. Now here's the psycho part. That was the second lowest in Ontario. For growth, price growth. That's insane. Up twenty eight percent on house pricing. This is based on like region, like yeah, real estate board. Exactly. Region, yeah. They had 
Bancroft, Ontario went up an average of 47%. What the heck's Bancroft, Ontario? This is one of these small towns that, that's on the, around the outskirts. Wow. And so the list was actually all the smaller towns were in between 30 to 50% price increase across the board, which is huge. Mm. Like Halifax based around 20%. Um, and then the two lowest were in Toronto at 28% and then Ottawa following that at 16.7%. Um, oh, man. Anyways, they're, and they're facing the same thing. So GTA right now has around 3,200 homes for sale with a population of 6.5 mil, which actually works out to a similar ratio for us because we have around 200 houses for sale for a population of 450,000. So we're facing a similar kind of craziness, but we're not actually getting the price increases that they're seeing. Um, so we're still hmm. underpacing it. So I know if everyone's like, shit's crazy here, we're way faster growing, which in some in some regions we are. Um, but overall, we're actually kind of still lagging behind places like Ontario and other parts of the country. And you said Alberta's popping again. Alberta is popping again. So obviously a lot of people have seen, and we talked about in the last few, uh, oil has had a nice rebound over the year, and it's now really starting to rebound uh, through kind of a multitude of issues between uh, supplies going down, uh, environmental concerns, everyone had to shut down, uh, supply chain, like logistic issues. And so now oil's going up like crazy, and so you're seeing this huge migration again. They're having a net positive, which they haven't had for five, five, seven years in Alberta. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing. Their prices are starting to rebound and grow. They had about a 10% increase, which in Canada now that's like, oh, okay, well, that's okay. That's cute. But that's still quite good for a place that's been having kind of a downward slope. I mean, that little bit, uh, little, it's it's a lot. It makes a big difference right away into real estate. Yeah. Yeah. U.S. is jacked up as well. We talked about that a little bit at the end of the year recap. Yeah. Uh, It's still going, you know, Yeah, Yeah, the states are feeling the same thing. An average across the states, uh, on six million houses sold, they're up twenty percent. Like that's a pretty serious da- data number. Like when, like these Bancroft, Ontario, like they only sold maybe a couple hundred houses, maybe not. They probably sold a few thousand houses, but still, like their number is easy to skew because if you have like a ten million dollar house in there, it's going to mix things up. I want to circle back here six something. Million in the states, and they're yeah. up twenty percent. I want to circle back on something here. Um, because we talked about the increase in property tax here in Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. And the first round of assessments just came out for the province. And the assessments are up by 11% across the province. And in some areas, they're up about 20%. Mm -hmm. So as we talked about the increasing property tax that's based on assessment, um, which is also kind of a correlated um, stream of revenue to, say, de-transfer tax. Yep. Massive influx of cash to the government. Like... You know, it's you, one of the biggest cash drivers. Well, whatever they just got, you know, whatever they just paid for that emergency shelter, housing. Yeah, man, they could have gotten that back in deed transfer tax easy last year here in the city. Easy. They got that back in two days. Yeah, like so. Um, there's a lot of money coming to these municipalities, and people have this. I always found this interesting in economics: the marginal propensity to consume or to spend. Where yeah. It's like if you make one dollar, you're going to spend ninety cents. If you make ten dollars, you're still somehow going to spend nine bucks. Oh yeah. And our government tends to have that as well. Everyone seems to do that, but it's frustrating when it's the government. Like the more money in, the more money they just spend. But we need to hold them accountable that they spend it in the right way because they're sitting on loads of cash. And what do people often do? They often pay themselves first. Well, then you see there's a lot of stuff in the news about <laughs> government employees asking for pay raises uh, and counselors looking to get pay bumps. Um, but yeah, I think for the average homeowner, something to consider. So you have assessments on average up 11%, some of the stronger neighborhoods as high as 20% across the board, combined with interest rates have now climbed another percent. Yep. And they're expected to climb another percent this year. Now, hmm. it's not a huge deal, but when you think we're only paying, like people are signing at 1.82%. You're going up by 50% when you go to three. And when you start looking at your payment, play with a mortgage calculator online and change the rate from 1.8 to 4%. And you will be mind blown by yeah. how much your payment will change. It's me like if it's a $1,500 payment, it might be 1800 which is a fair bit of change. It's 3600 bucks a year. That's well, two extra full payments per year. I talked about that when I was talking about the changing costs of my development project. Exactly. You had to throw down a, a quite a bit more to make it feasible and, and have it work. And it was just yeah. a half point raise or 0.7% raise. I know. Like, this is not good news. I need to lock this money in. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, ASAP. so people need to consider this going on with inflation, uh, rising assessments. And it's not just, again, Halifax. It's across the board, all across Canada, all across the states. Uh, you have this massive inflation. You have interest rates going up. Again, this is where I've been screaming something's got to change. But it's just people keep in mind that, like, Maybe some of your expendable cash. And I'm sure everyone's feeling like, I think when you go to the grocery store, 
everything seems a little like, oh, it's two ninety nine. Now it's three thirty nine. It's three twenty nine. Mm-hmm. All the sales aren't quite around as much. Uh, vehicles are obviously ex- super expensive. All these things. This also what happens is just print a bunch of money, man. Like you print yeah. a bunch of money. This is what what happens. Yeah. So, um, there are consequences to just printing a bunch of money. Exactly. Um, it takes years for that to, to sort of drill down. All right, let's st- let's dive into the goal setting. We visited this a little bit before. Yep. I think it's so relevant because of the start of the year. And again, not just because the calendar says something, so it means you should do something else. It is just a time where it's good for reflection. It's good to come out of a doldrum of, of the winter, seasonal depression, whatever it may be, yep. and start ratcheting up. Also, everything we just covered there shows that there's going to be a changing marketplace. Whatever business you're in, that market, that industry, that space is changing. You're going to have to adapt to inter- different interest rates. Um, I know for different us- consumer spending. Yeah, like like the you know the potential change in our revenue streams, mm-hmm. right? And how's that, that going to impact what we want to do investment-wise? So it's a good time to take stock. Um, and I think I mentioned reference being in sort of a bit of a downward um, negative feedback loop. And it's called time, the holidays. <laughs> called the holidays. But also it's weird how like, you know, when you get into these things like, well, you know, I don't even deserve to do this because I'm just being lazy. Like it's amazing how people – it's why people are like I had a hard day today, so I'm gonna eat this bad food, or I'm gonna mm-hmm. d- I'm gonna punish myself in some other thing and, and disguise it as a reward. Mm-hmm. But basically, what you're saying is because something bad went over here, I deserve less over here, and we need to change that mindset of like, no, I deserve to treat myself like, you know, like I'm worthwhile, and to turn that into a positive loop. So. Um, Few things we talked about goal setting in the past, but let's let's start again. So and you, that you got an abbreviation, I think you want to go over here that you tend to use. Yeah, I mean it's a really commonplace one, like the smart abbreviation. I don't agree with all of it, but if you've heard like the smart um, assessment of goal setting, um, it's it's an acronym: S being specific, M being measurable, A being attainable, R being relevant, and T being time bound. For me, I take some of those, but the first thing I always focus on is like, all right, I need to be more specific in my goals. And people struggle with this, like, I want to buy rental property this year. It's like, okay, that is really, really vague. You need to narrow it down, like, what type of rental property, where, and by when. That's the time element, too. So I'm trying to focus on, like, unit counts and specific it, it allows you to have some confidence in what you're doing. I say this to a lot of my clients because the same thing. They call me and they want to buy a rental, but they don't know kind of what type, what type of neighborhood, all those things. And that partially is an education thing. So first you got to go out and get the education to be able to give the specific if it's something new to you. And then like you're saying, you got to make sure you make it specific enough that you can actually kind of be confident in making that decision and putting a press on it. Because there's, like like you're saying, rental property means so much. It could mean anything. You could mm-hmm. be buying... Moncton, you could be buying outside of the city, you could be buying a 10 unit in Yarmouth, or you could be buying a single family home or condo in downtown Halifax. Like it, it also, you gotta like, kind of it, make it there. It also starts, starts to take the excuses away from you. Yeah. Right? Like, because it's easy to be like, oh, well, that wasn't quite what I was looking for. It's like, no, no, that means when you find the thing that you're looking for, it's time to put up or shut up. Yeah. Right? Like, I've got a really smart client that I work with, and he's very, um, you know, he, he's, uh, he's like a, a, a life coach. He's trained. I, I always get psychology and psychiatry confused, but whatever. Um, and so he's really good. like in quarter one, I want to purchase either a three unit or a four unit. Mm-hmm. I also have the access to potentially do that twice this year. And simultaneously, I also want to purchase a commercial, i.e. six unit or above property. The first one's the best one. Three yeah. or four units, Q1, yeah. residential financing. Yeah. So – that is a specific goal. We know it's attainable, and the yep. attainability, we'll talk about that because I know you like stretch goals. You prefer that. Yeah. But measurable, <laughs> right? To say, like, I either got it or I didn't get it. Yep. And the deadline, like, I'm big on the deadline because, you know, it, it means now if I bring him a three or four unit that fits his budget in Q1, yep. that's a buy. Yeah. Right? If it was more amb- ambiguous what his goal was, either, like, I wouldn't know exactly what to get him or when the moment – Rose, he'd be like, oh, I guess, yeah, that's kind of what I maybe want, I think. Yeah. Right? So that's I, I kind of take those down, and I, I go with specific, stretch attainable, because I believe in stretch goals as well, very measurable with deadlines, plural. Like, I like multiple deadlines. If I've got a goal, you know, I want it to be, 
um, like if, if I take the goal, all right, I want to get, um, you know, another 20 units in Q1. Yeah. Right. Then I start breaking down. What's it right, Well, that means I need to do X amount of calls per week. Yeah. I, I need to talk to this person five times, you know, this month and, yeah. and break it down into those small deadlines, which also ties into the plan of action. And that's the one that it's funny. You've got that acronym that, that you'll see out there a lot, but there's no plan of action with it. So, right. Yeah, I, I just break it down a little bit. So the other thing we should really do, we need, need to start putting some of the stuff on the website. I think a lot of these guys, a lot of you guys listening would want to see this yep. in a way that you can come back and actually reference it. Cause we're we, going to have a website by the end of February. We are going to have one. There you go. There's We're going to set one right here. Website by the end of February, and it's going to offer a lot of these things where we're going to be able to put this up, and then you can go back and look at it. Because if you're driving yep. right now, you're like, hmm, I like this, but I don't necessarily have an ability to write this down. Yep. Um, so yeah, but just breaking down. So specific, measurable, attainable, uh, relevant, and time-bound. And so we went over the specific. Looking at measurable... I, like you said, it's important that it's something that can be measured, but additionally, it's good to be able to measure it in stages um, so you know that you're making some sort of progress. Because if you don't have it broken out, trying to just get to the end goal, like, yeah, it's measurable that you you did purchase a four unit, but if you don't have kind of stages along the way, you might feel like you've made no progress, right? Or people say, like, oh, I want to be healthier. It's yeah. like, oh, man, like, that doesn't mean anything. Right? Yeah. Like, what does, like, whether it's your pounds on, on the scale or whether it's, you know, you have the tracker. It's even the, the it's even the tasks though. Not, I wouldn't say necessarily like just pounds. It'd be like also being able to say like, okay, part of my thing is meeting with a nutritionist or exactly meeting like starting to get this meal plan. So yeah, I haven't necessarily shaved any pounds off yet, but I'm not discouraged because I've I've started putting the things that I know I need to do in place to get it to happen. Because none of these things happen overnight. That's one thing with any goal you do. If it happens overnight, then you don't really need to make a fucking smart list. Like you don't need to exactly. go through it. That's well, if it happens overnight, it's not a stretch goal, which is the other thing you want to yeah. focus on is like, all right, yeah. if if I know this is what I can do going through my motions, what's actually like my push situation? Um, because you want to be stretching on that um, because, and we talked about this with the habit formation, the goal is great and you want to achieve the goal, but you also want to come, become the type of person who achieves that goal. So my thing is, and I know we're talking about this, we've been talking about this at length kind of off air and a little bit on air that you and I both want to pivot ourselves a little bit away from the traditional residential sales to focus on both more acquisition and, and more development, but also some new endeavors. Yep. Um, and so for me, specifically say to acquire more units, I need to start putting in a plan of like, all right, here's my actual list of target properties. Yep. What am I doing for each one of those every single week? You know, here are my lead sources over here. What am I doing for each one of those every single week? Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, I may not get a property on day one. I may not get a property on day 15. I may not get a property on day 40. But what I've become is the kind of person who follows up with all of these leads and is constantly adding that lease. And that person is eventually going to get properties multiple. Exactly. Right? Because um, sometimes you do everything right, but don't necessarily get the right result. But you become the person who's doing everything right and over a long enough timeline that person's going to get what they want, period. And knowing that you're doing those items, knowing that that's what it takes, it'll help you to stay motivated. Because like, I am doing my systems, and sometimes you just got to understand that it takes a little longer than you might anticipate. I find it funny with these things, like trying to find properties. Like you said, we're not filing for six months, and then in a week, you'll get three. And you're like, yeah. what in if the world? If you do the same things over and over again, yeah. I think that's a common thing that happens a lot, but just kind of keep going at that. Um, moving into the next letter, A, attainable. This one, like you said, I think we might have slightly different opinions on this. I, I like to push my attainability over. I like to I like to make it slightly unattainable, which is bad in some ways. And to be honest with you, it leads to me being a little bit disappointed sometimes. But I think it's important to push a little higher. Um, and really, I find it helps you to get you to where you actually really originally wanted to go. Like if you wanted eight units, but you push, okay, I want three buildings. You're really pushing hard for three buildings. I think in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, I only need two. You get the two. You'll get the two because you're really mm -hmm. focused on getting the three. Yeah. And so it, I find it makes those things a lot easier. So for me personally, if my goal, let's say, is to add 100 units, I would say I want to go for 150. And this way I feel like I'm the systems I put in place to try and get 150 should actually attain me the 100. And that's why I like to stretch the goals. Yeah. As long as you can subscribe to that, I think that like as long as you can mentally not be 
comfortable saying, oh, I'm saying I'm going for three, but I already know I only want two, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to work like that because then you're just going to get two. Well, it's like, I mean, you study to know every answer on the test, but knowing yeah. full well you may not get every answer on the test right. Exactly. But if you study to get every answer on the test right, you're going to get the vast majority of them. Exactly. So uh, that, that is the stretch goal, and I find... Don't go too far, though, because yeah. if you also don't own a single rental property and you come into the saying, like, I would like to own the Alexander downtown by the end of the year, um, sweet goal, sick goal. Like, I probably have the yeah. same goal, but it it's just so far stretched that it's, yeah. it's you're going to end up being disappointed. If you genuinely believe that you have an opportunity to do so, but you're not in a position to do so, you're going to end up finding yourself disappointed. And then that ends up feeding into a negative feedback loop, which is not going to help you grow. Yeah, I mean, so some people be looking at that like, all right, well... Jeepers, you know, I feel kind of bad that like my goal is to maybe get, you know, just a, a six unit or something. Like maybe someone might be out there feeling that way. And then they realize like, man, I need $150,000. Yeah. And they might feel like, well, that's like that's all a of a sudden. Goal. That, 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 that's a very serious goal. Um, so that means if you break that in down, one of your mini goals, whether or not the six unit comes, has to be to Can find a partner. Yeah. To research private money, um, to call a bunch of leads, um, to hustle in your side gig. Big private money guy now. Right? Like, <laughs> whatever it is. Like, <laughs> no, but then whether or not the six unit comes and whether or not you feel important about, uh, you know, one way or not about that, disappointed or however, think of all the other things that you will accomplish in that time. Right? Like, finding the private money, yeah. finding partnerships, um, working your side hustle to to save up cash. So I think that, yeah, you have the stretch goal, but people who understand stretch goals, it's because they're at the point where they realize the goal isn't everything. They just know that the stretch goal, you can start to have the stretch goal, but deprioritize it at the same time. Like, yes, that's my stretch goal, um, but I won't feel super disappointed about it because if I actually do the things trying to achieve the the stretch goal, I will put myself in such a better space financially with other accomplishments and just emotionally, psychologically that I'll be like, damn, didn't hit it. But now on this trend I'm on, I can see it. Like it's coming down the pipeline next quarter or next year, right? Like with everything, it's like becoming like, I mean, some things with school are a little bit more structured, but like people want to become a doctor. They're saying that from high school timeframe, right? Like if you just focus on becoming a doctor, that's like 13 years out. Right, so you got to like, okay, now I finished my high school, now I finished my bachelor's degree, now I finished my master's or, or my specialty, or whatever it may be, and so it can kind of keep you motivated to maintain like moving forward, like okay, I'm accomplishing all these items. So I think it's the same with anything business or investment related. You kind of have to do that where you break it up into those smaller pieces, mm-hmm. um, with like you said, your main big stretch goal at the back end that's still kind of giving you that extra motivation when you're starting to feel a little down about it, because yeah. uh, you're always going to. I'll tell you right now, no matter what stage you're at, like. Even now, like I, I would say it's attainable for me to add X amount of units this year. I will, there'll be times that I feel down, even though, oh, cool, I just locked up two six units or I locked up a 20 unit, like, which is exciting and great and it's part of my goal. But there's also gonna be like two months where I might not find anything or the business might totally. be a little down and I'm gonna feel down. And that's very normal. Like, it's not all roses. And I think this is also a mis- misconception with social media now because a lot of people see investors, business owners, um, like professionals on social media and the way it's perceived on there is that everything is just amazing. Like it's like they're just constantly growing. Everything's just going so good. But that's kind of part of the perception. I think the real aspect of it is there's a lot of periods when you're like kind of questioning like what in the world am I doing and or things are going poorly. Like there's a lot of time that you'll be trying to do something. You'll be calling people and it might actually backfire and negate from your goal. But you need to understand that's kind of part of it. Like it's not always that you just put the systems in place and it might get there it's ebbs and flows. Like you might put all your systems in place, start to be like, Oh, I'm starting to get some leads. Things are going well. And then it might flip around on you. Something bad might take place due to that. Or you might have an issue in your house where like, if you're trying to put together that 150 K, you now have your furnace that just blew up. You have to drop $10,000 to get a new furnace. You're now set back and you didn't have that kind of established in where you were at. And you're like, Oh, this is going to set me back. Be understanding of that. Like don't, I don't think, don't be too hard on yourself about it. Um, be smart about it. Which is also why when you ha- build up the plan of action, I know I'm jumping around here, you will have little wins to celebrate when the big picture is not going your way, right? It feels good to make those five lead calls, yeah, right? It feels good to add more stuff to your databases, potential lead properties. Mm-hmm. It feels good to have a successful meeting with someone who says, yeah, when the time is right, we got you from a financing perspective. You're good to go, yeah, right? Those are all little goals. It feels good to even just hop on a phone call with someone that you – you know, look up to and, and, you know, view as a mentor, 
right? If, if you're doing those things, then you feel less bad about something else that might be going on. It's like, man, this is going on a downward thing over here, but parallel to that, I'm doing all these other things. Yeah. Um, and you start getting the positive cycle. So the negative cycle is like, well, I had this go bad. So I only deserve a lousy meal and I deserve to just binge watch Netflix and feel terrible. But myself, Buffett. you know, but if it goes the other way, it's like, man, I did something good here. So I deserve other good things. Well, like, you know, I deserve to talk to this person. I deserve to treat myself well and save my money. And like, uh, you know, yeah. you start to treat yourself like someone you should care about and provide for. Right. And so you just need to keep those mini successes going through the whole thing. Two, What's two a things, Warren Buffett reference? Two, yeah. Two things I want to explain. So some of you guys might know um, Warren Buffett, obviously, I mean, he's whatever, hundred gazillion dollars now. Um, and he trades every day. That's like, that's his business is basically investing in trading. Uh, and he doesn't just like do it physically or whatever. Like every, he's got a big team that does it. Yeah, old guy just like <laughs> one finger to typing type on the keyboard. It's so uh, weird to think of. But anyway, um, he his thing was back in the day, and everyone I think knows that Warren Buffett's ultra frugal. For someone who has like a hundred billion dollars, he lives in the same house that he's lived in for fifty years. Um, he drove the same car for thirty years, like all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's big on supporting the products that he invests in. So if he invests in Coca Cola. Everywhere you see him, he's going to have some sort of Coca-Cola product. If he invests in Ford, he's going to be driving a Ford for the rest of the time. I love it. Such an old school approach. Very old school approach. Um, Anyways, his thing was every morning he goes to McDonald's. He invests in McDonald's. uh, He gets a whatever. I don't know the names of sandwiches, but it's like a bacon egg, whatever the basic sandwich is. And you have the options. It's a breakfast sandwich. It's a breakfast sandwich, but you have the options. It's a McBreakfast. <laughs> whatever. Uh, anyways, whatever it is, you have your options and you can go with just the egg, egg with sausage. Egg McMuffin. Egg McMuffin. You can go with the egg. You can add, and someone's going to correct me probably, but you can add sausage or you can add bacon. And I think bacon's like- That's right. Like like 49 cents. Can confirm. So, yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> sausage is like 29 cents. And then just the egg is, we'll say whatever, flat. Based on his previous day's performance and pro profits is how he decides what he gets for breakfast so every oh morning like God. he's like oh well i made a billion dollars yesterday i'm splurging i'm going all out i'm getting the bacon Jeepers. but like if he has a down day better believe that guy's just getting the egg he's like, getting no bad sausage bad. yeah exactly he's like i, I lost 100 million yesterday it's out, not in the budget we're cutting out we're just going with the egg today and so but those small things like you know what i mean like that mindset is it is kind of good because again you reward yourself for the for the thing and you still get what you want but Maybe don't go so hard with it. Like, like every time I go to this restaurant, I go crazy and I get a bottle of wine to do all this. Maybe if things aren't going so good, you can still go to the restaurant, but maybe pull it back a little bit. But that's well, all that uh, that all that rest that that's all that Warren Buffett reference was. We talked about this before, like carrot and stick. Mm-hmm. You need enough carrots, which is motivation. Yeah. Right. Little rewards yourself, and yeah. you need enough stick. Yeah. To keep yourself in line, because most people are more motivated by the stick. 100%. Right. Like. You could be like, oh, you know, Chandler, I'm going to get 20 units this quarter. Yeah. And like, if I do that, that's its own reward. You're like, I got 20 units this quarter. And you bacon. might do that, I'm right? I'm getting bacon for sure on you that know? sandwich. And that would make you, if you got 20 units this quarter, I think it's pretty safe to say you're going to make $100,000. Yeah. One way, shape, or the other, the lift, you're going to make $100,000. Yeah. And you might do it. If you had to give me $100,000 if you didn't get 20 units this quarter. Buddy, I'd be getting 40 units this quarter. You'd be way higher motivated. Yeah. So it's the same net $100,000. <laughs> I'd be door knocking 14 hours a day. <laughs> so, but think about that for a second. Yeah. Like that means you, like most people, are more motivated by the stick than by the carrot. 100%. And this is why there's something called optimal stress. It's yeah. why deadlines are good. It's why the risk of failure is good. It's why the people who are most successful are the people who uh, have been programmed to take risks. It's why the people who are used to being good students and getting 95% on every test often are lower earners than the people who maybe were an average student, but they would take risks in their studies. Um, You have to embrace like the, the the risk of failure is what often motivates people to do big things. Um, That's I'm going to say really, so I want to say two things on the last one. I want to make a quick reference. I think some people might find funny if you're in buying real estate. um, This, I just thought of this when I get kind of a hook on a deal, I won't talk about it. I will not talk about it until I have it under contract. Like, it's just like the psyche. I think it's going to jinx it. Yeah. And so I'm like. I know tons of people like that. I might have like three deals on the go. And I'm just like talking to people. And I'm just like, I got to tell them. I want to tell them. I want to tell Chandler. Like, I got this deal that's coming. But I will not say it until I know it's actually happening. Because every time I've said it, 
I swear to God, it gets jinxed. So anyways, if you've got a deal coming on the hook, don't go tell your friends until you have it under contract. Yeah, because as soon as you say it, well, so. The force is out there. The world is going to turn and it's going to go against you. I'm telling you, I deal with this. It's the weirdest thing ever. It's same with selling selling houses. Every time I think I have a house sold and it's like under contract. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, ah, sold this place. What's up? Spending your commission before it's firm. Exactly. And then the the day before firm date, they're like, well, due to a death in the family, we're unable to buy it. Like everything else is done. And I'm like, are oh, you got to be kidding me right now? And Neil's like, why me? Meanwhile, <laughs> this poor person's family members died. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, no. So there, there's two sides of that one. You're talking about like, don't quit. That, that's called, re- that's resting on your laurels, right? Like if you're, if you're prematurely celebrating something you haven't done, yeah. you are missing the whole point of, of goal setting. However, there is something to be said to accountability and saying these things out loud. Yeah. Right. Like, you and I have recently had some annoying micro setbacks um, in terms of properties we both wanted and did not get. And, you know, when you have a setback like that, I've said this before, you've got five minutes to feel bad about it. Then you have to, you know, take what did you learn from it? And when I was starting in real estate and I'd have things like this, I would actually write them down. And then I'd throw out the piece of paper, but the actual act of writing them down, like, what did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. I did not do this. Yeah. Right? So we talked about this. I missed out on a property because I didn't, you know, contact a seller who it turns out was a seller, an owner that was willing to sell. Same. You had something very similar. So the thing I would write down is, you know, um, it, something to the fact of like, it is important to follow up with everyone right away. Not yep. when you feel like it, not when you get around to it, but right away. And then I can throw up here, but just the act of writing it down is important because that kind of allows you to take control over the negative situation, right? You literally yep. control the words, which means you control the energy and so on and so forth. But also you and I said in that we need to start having accountability meetings between the two of us. Yeah. Right. Because it's good to have a partner in that. You say it aloud, you know, one weekly meeting to be like, all right, this is what I'm working on without saying like, I've got this deal. It's done. It's like, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. Yep. These are some things that I know I should be doing. As soon as you say that to someone else, um, it, you are now accountable to that person. Yeah. Right. Like, and I try to do this when I've got people who I know are working on something every now and again, I'll check in and be like, Hey man, like, so did you get that or what? Like, yeah, what's going on with that? Because I know if I were on the other end and I had someone checking in on me, it's um, a little kick in the butt. Totally. Like this has kept me more accountable. Right. I am going to be Chandler's worst enemy. I'm going to be at his house first thing in the morning. Once he has a heat back on, and just <laughs> smacking him away, but man, just pouring like that, water over his head. But that's what you want, right? Isn't that what everyone wants? And that's what I want this community to be. Is like, hopefully, we can get some people breaking out and finding each other through this community, and you know, motivating one another, right? Yes. Because like, if you've contacted me and said I'm going to do X, Y, Z, right? Like, and some of you have. If a year from now you haven't done that, man, like that's embarrassing. Like, you're not even going to want to contact me. You're going to pretend we never met and blah 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 blah. Yeah. That's what accountability is when you have a partner with it, but. We're bouncing all out. We are. Let's go back. So we got SMA, specific, measurable, attainable. R is relevant. So this one I think is also important because it's the same concept of like what we said earlier. If you've never done real estate before and then you come into this saying you're going to buy a 20-story building, unless you have a ton of cash, um, it doesn't make sense or you make the goal too far stretched. Um, And some of the stuff that Chandler and I are learning, we're jumping into industries that we're not in and we're making these goals that are probably a little difficult because it's not super relevant to what we know and what we're experts in. And so I think it's not necessarily, I don't think you should say, oh, it's not relevant to what I know, so I shouldn't do it. But I think you then need to use the relevance and look at, okay, is this like, is it actually attainable? I think that's what it really applies to is, is this relevant to something that I can actually do? It can, it can mix into my life and I actually understand it so I can actually go after these goals. Cause if you say, I just want to become the best day trader in the world now, and you've never traded a single stock in your life, it's not necessarily super relevant, which doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but just be understanding the fact that it might take a little bit longer and you're going to need to do a lot of learning and your goals might need to be a little bit different outside of what someone's standard in that in that industry is. And I think a lot of people that listen to this are getting started in real estate investing. Mm-hmm. And so you need to understand that you shouldn't necessarily have the same goals, uh, let's say as Chandler and I, where we want to have, let's say, four more properties by the end of the year, because that's not necessarily an attainable goal due to the fact that it's not something that you're super... Uh, there are tons of people that get with. that get into real estate ownership because they're like, I kind of like heard that this is what I should be doing. Yeah. And then the first thing that happens bad from a landlord perspective, they're out. Yeah. They're pulling the shoe. Yeah. Right? Because as we said before, you have to want to do this. It's not passive income. It is active, worked in. You have to work in it. 
yeah. right, and work on it. Exactly. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting about relevant, and it's not really, it's what I first thought of when when I see relevant. Yeah. And at the risk of saying something so cringeworthy, you want to like punch through the podcast, like, what's your why? You know, like, why are you doing this? And I, <laughs> yeah. I hate that, but. No, it's super important. Like, what's your objective out of this? The little thing about um, the anecdote about Warren Buffett and his meal thing, mm-hmm. right, is one, if you kind of break that down, it's like, all right, this shows a highly successful person with a daily routine. Yeah. That's really interesting in its own right. That's yep. what highly successful people have, daily routine. Yeah. Then he's got rewards and punishments. Mm-hmm. Right? Success, reward, lack of success, punishment. Mm-hmm. That is also super, super important. And my thing is sometimes with these little micro decisions that you make through the course of your day, and I've said it before, I think it's from Atomic Habits, like every action you take or every decision you make is a vote for the type of person you want to become. If you start doing these little things, like he's habit stacking, something happens, his daily routine results in this, boom, 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 right? Like every action you make, you've got this potential there to not only reward yourself or punish yourself or whatever, but to be like, okay, why am I doing this? And not in some overreaching, like what's the meaning of life, but like, okay, I'm doing this because I want this result. And it makes it really easy to think of like, all right, why am I making this call at like seven o'clock on a Friday night? Mm-hmm. It's because, well, I want to reach this person. Why do you want to reach this person? Because they have a property that I really want. Well, why do you really want that property? Because I know I can do this with it. Well, why is it important that you can do this with it? Well, because I can do this to mean I don't have to work as hard in my day job. Yeah. Well, why don't you want to work as hard in your day job? Because I want to have more time with my family. Exactly. Right? And all of a sudden it's like, so you're telling me you won't pick up this phone when it's leading to like more time with your family? Yeah. Like, Continuing to reflect on that yeah. helps. It really does. Big time. Right? Why, why you're doing it. Cause some, exactly. And that gets lost too. Like you get so deep into whatever you're doing and you start to forget what the actual purpose of doing it was. And that's the other thing is your end goals. I always, we talked about this before. Is it also part of your end goal? Like, yeah. If, is your end goal to have 8,000 units or to have $80 billion invested? Or is your end goal something else? Cause then maybe it's not so prevalent or relevant for you to do it and, and really involve it in your. Totally. And, and, goal. and you should personalize these things because um, like I, I kind of twisted that one. I'm like, well, what does this mean for me? And I said, I've got to start looking at all my decisions of does this make me more of what I am yep. or does this make me more of what I want to become? And being more of what you are is not bad. No. Right? Like that could be like, yes, this makes me more of what I am now. And, and that's ha- cool. Exactly. Right? If you're happy with that and that's a good positive thing, then great. That's but the real case. opportunities, <laughs> well, the real opportunities are like, does this make me more of what I want to become? Exactly. Right, like that's the ones. Like, all right, that's what I should be really focused on. Exactly, um, and it makes deciding between doing, uh, taking action, not taking action. When you start to realize like why you're doing it, what your motivation is, what are the consequences of not doing it, right? Like that's more of what I want to become is that person that does that thing. The result is secondary. I want to become the person that does that. Yeah, right? exactly. That's important. And yeah, don't not necessarily get fixated in goals either. I think that's. It's like with this business, I would say don't get fixated on the dollars that you make at the end of the year. You got to get fixated on doing really well at being, let's say, an agent. Yeah, building uh, the system. You'll end yeah. up making more dollars because you're focused on being a really good agent versus uh, just being a top producer dollar-wise. Yeah. Um, the last item, T, time-bound. I think we've kind of gone over that a bunch. Yeah. The one thing I want to say, and this is a concept that at least I've put into my life that I think is super important for a lot of people to do, and I think it helps me make decisions on a day-to-day basis, and that's looking at time as a currency. Mm. Um, like that is your, that is your currency and getting any of your yeah. goals done, making any of these things happen. This year has now started. You have 365 days or whatever we have left now, 350 days, uh, to get your stuff done. And you need to look at that as currency. So when you go out and you're like, oh, I'll push it off another day to go do something that might not be super productive. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's something to keep in the back of your head that, okay, I just burnt up, uh, X amount of time that I would need to accomplish my goals, right? You need, those are the things you need to, I think, consider Whenever I'm doing something, I'm like, ah, I'm trying to make the decision. I'm like, well, I only have, let's say, 30 days left until I kind of set my goal was there. This is now getting really important because I'm running out of currency. I'm running out yeah, of man. money, time, Optimal money. stress. Create that stress. Bring it into exactly, your life. Exactly. Yeah. To be able to get the task done. So you need to say, okay, I have now put all these tasks and I've given myself X amount of time to do it. And I need to be mm. super cognizant of that because I find it's easy, especially at the start of the year. You start out really strong in January, but then you're like, ah, I got all this time left in the year. And you start kind of burning it up. And I'm guilty of it too. But yeah. I think it's just a good way to look at it. And then you start to value all your interactions and the value the things that you're going to go out and do. Whether it be out, out socializing or out doing things or even watching TV and those kind of items. If you look at that, you're like, hmm, I just wasted an hour, which 
in like sometimes I'll be like, okay, I have a day where I'm like, I wish I had five more hours. But then some days I'm burning them up watching TV and I'm like, I shouldn't be doing that because some of the things I could be doing during that burn up time would actually alleviate in those days when I'm like, Frig, I don't have enough hours in the day. Well, let me put this question out there to you. Like, how would you be acting if everything, say everything you want to do this year. Yeah. How differently would you be acting if you had to do them by the end of January? I'd be in full insane mode. I'd be going super, super hard. That's right? exactly it. So like, look at that little shift. So that's as much as you say like, oh, I'm doing like the best I can to yeah. meet that goal by the end of the year. It's like, well, bullshit, because you just said that if I knew I had to do it by the end of January, yeah. I would be going at a different level. Yeah. So whatever people are out there saying, this is my goal for the year, it's like, well, what if you had to accomplish that by the end of January? What would you do right now? Yeah. Because whatever you would do right now is the best version of you. Yeah. And, and right? we're, we're talking business. We're talking money. At the end of the day, time is literal currency. Like when you cut out all that time, it's actually costing you. And you're like, yeah, well, I'm just watching TV. Well, technically, like the impact yeah. that that has on, let's say, your business or your investment growth, because you're not doing, let's say, research or calling sellers or trying to do something that's going to help grow your your business, your operating company, the actual compound effect of that is insane. That's what I always I always struggle with with vacation is I'm like, okay, the cost of the vacation, let's say, is five thousand dollars, but the lost opportunity cost of me being away for two weeks is fifty thousand dollars, right? And so that's yeah. something that, and it's not measurable. You don't necessarily yeah. directly feel it. But that's how it's going to impact you. And I don't. Again, it's it's you got to be cognizant. Like I went crazy where for a couple of years I would do nothing because I was like obsessed with this concept. But on the flip side, it's been important now today to make sure that I'm keeping track of my time and I'm not I'm using it wisely. So still go on vacations. You still need to do those things. Otherwise, you'll burn out. But it's just something to consider when you're doing stuff. Like I think always have that in the back of your head, and it helps you to kind of stay motivated. Like. Uh, you know what? I'm going to push through because I'm also, only going to get this day once. I'm only yeah. going to get this time once. And once it's burnt, then my I'm one day closer to the end of the year or one day closer to whatever my goal date was. And also, if you really ha- or, or you, if you get really good with um, your goal setting and getting really good at measurability and yeah. being super specific, you can say, well, this goal is going to make me X amount of money. Yeah. Right? So if I buy such and such a property and I lift it with this model, like because if, if you want to really – and visualize doing something, run the whole model. Like yeah. What you're going to put into the property, what you're going to get out of the property, how long it will take. If you then say, okay, that project is going to get me, you know, $200,000 personal net worth, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So if you put a number on it, so now you've got a really specific goal, which means you're going to get even better at this. Yeah. What's it take to that? Like, say it took, I mean, we, we had these missed out properties, yeah. right? I had one where I offered the guy like 200 grand Stop to assign it over to me. bringing it up. I know, <laughs> but um, this is like these negative things fire me up. I work yeah, on a lot of negative Same. stuff here, but that, yep. that's the stick, man. That's what motivates you. Yep. Um, I offered this guy basically $200,000 just to, to send it to me. Yeah. Maybe I might have had to put like six hours in with that seller. If we're talking like, you know, 15, 15 minute phone calls. So 30 plus, grand an hour. you know, a visit to, to the property. Yeah. 30 grand an hour. Yeah. So what's your time worth? Yeah. My time's worth a lot. It's not worth 30 grand an hour. So that would have been a great investment of my time that I didn't do because I was doing something else, which was a lower, like, so time you, is currency. At, you can actually calculate that opportunity cost. 100%. And when you, when you look at movie tickets now, you're like, oh, 60 grand to go see Spider-Man. I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah. be damn good to require. <laughs> The, the I other, know it's not who's Spider-Man now. I don't know. I the last it. way I'm going to try and like phrase it because I think again this is so important. Everyone we've had on here, everyone kind of agrees. I think on general thing is the whole idea with this is everyone. Yeah, okay, we want all want to make a decent amount of money so that we can achieve freedom. And how do you get freedom? You're basically buying it with money, right? So it's that same yeah. concept of time as currency. Like you get a billion dollars, all your people want from that is the ability to do things and then have the free time to do them. So it's yeah. the same idea when you look totally. at it. That's right why rich now, people buy pay for experiences. They pay for experiences yeah. and they everyone dreams about having the time off to go do these things. So just think about that with your time off. If you use it mm-hmm. effectively now, you're gonna purchase more of it in, in the future. Um, also, you so. have to have the reward system in there too. Yes, okay. reward yourself with chocolate protein shakes. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Money can't buy happiness, but I'm happiest when I can buy what I want. Exactly. Right? And that'll be time and experiences. So, all right, we should probably wrap it up here. That is episode two of season two. If you feel like, I don't know how people listen to this, but hit us up with your goals. Find someone this week to talk about your goals. Try to implement some of the stuff. I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. And uh, we got more awesome stuff coming down the pipeline. Keep us accountable. Make us deliver on things like our website by the end of February and all that stuff. Yeah. Write, write them down. Get, get a partner. I think it's a good one. 100%. 
All right. Chandler's my partner. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks All right. for listening, everybody. Later. And, yeah, talk to you. When, 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 when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.